Well, good morning. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Jen A, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, February 11th, 2021. Today we're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, the chapter more about alcoholism, and we are on page 36. We're reading the third paragraph, thus started one more journey, that paragraph only. Today's readers on Team Thursday are uh, Barb W. reading The Steps, Margaret D. reading The Traditions, Janice P.M. reading uh, First today, Christina J. as a closing reader, and Renee A. as our backup for the 12 Steps today. Um, we have Susan H., who's going to be your newcomer reader between meetings, and our second hour hostess is Leslie W. The reference number for Wednesday, February 10th, 7 a.m. recording is 16,375, 16,375. The 10 a.m. recording is 16,376, 16,376. O-Readers Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry this message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. So the sole purpose of Overeaters Anonymous, our OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Renee A. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Jen. This is Renee A. recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all people we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I'll pass. Thank you, Renee A. I'll now ask Margaret D. to read the 12 traditions. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of, of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thanks, Margaret D. This is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature as we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute, and once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. So in order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phones except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the big book. More about alcoholism is the chapter that we're on. It's on page 36. We're reading the third paragraph and one paragraph only. I will ask Janice PM to begin reading. Well, good morning to you, Janice. <clears throat> My name is Janice M, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Boston, Massachusetts. Par uh, page 36, paragraph 3, thus started. 
one more journey to the asylum for Jim. Here was the threat of commitment, the loss of family and position to say nothing of that intense mental and physical suffering which drinking always caused him. He had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic, yet all reasons for not drinking were easily pushed aside in favor of the foolish foolish idea that he could take whiskey if only he mixed it with milk. (laughs) Identification, identification, yes. So So this tells me, first of all, he started one more journey. He had several before. I don't know how many, six or seven. But what's an asylum? That's what they called it in those days. Today, do we call it a treatment center or a psychiatric hospital, you know, especially for the insane are cared for. That's what they called the asylums. Well, this certainly applies to Jim. And to me, yet I wasn't in a hospital, I probably should have been, Um, but drinking always caused him this pain because he has the experience. However, all the knowledge about himself, all the information, step one, I am powerless. I'm I'm a compulsive overeater. That did nothing for me to transform me to a non, I mean, I'll always be a compulsive overeater, to transform my mind. My mind need surgery. And the surgery, of course, we know is the 12 steps, but Jim didn't go on. He just made a beginning, remember? Yet, that means to me, but uh, nevertheless, nevertheless, he knew all about that he was an alcoholic, like I know I'm a compulsive overeater, after umpteen years, yet all the reasons for not eating that particular food was easily pushed aside in favor of the foolish idea. So all these sane ideas, he's going to lose his family, I'm going to get diabetes, I have a, you know, they told me I'm going to need a knee replacement, my husband is ready to divorce me or whatever because I'm so erratic. Um, those ideas, those reasons didn't help me in my mind to start picking up. It just didn't because I had the insane idea, the foolish idea that I didn't make a decision to take the action, which is step three through 12. You know, I don't know about you, but, you know, in the Italian family, we make chicken soup, and I'm sure that other people too, but we put orzos. Orzo is a type of pasta, but it's very small. It looks like rice. And I used to kid myself, delusion. I used to put, now, I can't eat pasta, but I used to say, let me just put a little bit less than a teaspoon, right, and leave the rest in the other pan that didn't have any soup in it. So I would eat it when I was active, and boy, that little, little pot, and it, it just started the allergy. And I would go to the other pan where there was about four cups left and eat it. You see, so what was it? Was it the allergy or was it my thinking 
preceding that decision to eat the rest of those orzos. So now Time, we know. Please. Yeah, so now we know it's the problem centers in our minds telling us we can eat certain things rather than in the body that ensures that I cannot. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Although we value everyone's experience on the line this morning, we ask that you do limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. Who would like to share on what was read today? Dara L? Was that Sarah L? Dara with a D. Oh, Dara. Thank you. I struggled with that one. Thank you. Kathy C? Kathy C? Rachel K. Rachel K. And then the other person again, please. Melissa G. Thanks, Melissa. Melissa G. Couple more. Do you want to share this morning? Star one. Wendy W. Wendy W. Wendy W. Catch Wendy. T. And I'm sorry, was it Leah? Uh, Leah, Leah T. From Canada. Uh huh. And then was it Jody? I thought I heard a Jody. So Jody, I'll put you down. Um, and we'll see what happens. Okay, Wendy. So w. let's start. I got you, Wendy. Thank you. Oh, sorry, all right. So here's the line. No, it's okay. Okay, so here's the lineup of people that I heard. Um, Dara L, Kathy C, Rachel K, Melissa G, Wendy W, Leah T, um, and then um, Jody. I don't. I heard a Jody in there. So if we have Jody, we'll go there. So um, Dara L, go right ahead. Dara, sorry. Dara, press star one. Oh, great. Thank you. Uh, this is Dara mm -hmm. L. in Philadelphia. I'm a compulsive eater. Um, I love this paragraph, partly because it, I can so identify in. Um, thus started one more journey to the asylum for Jim. So I have been um, inpatient institutionalized as a result of anorexia, bulimia, compulsive overeating uh, 18 times. And this um, past summer, I, I thought I was going to need to go for my 19th time, like one more, one more journey. Um, and I was thinking about as, as this paragraph was being read, you know, consequences don't cause my eating. They never have and they never will. But the other side of that is that fear of consequences will never stop my eating. And, um, you know, this, Paragraph two reminds me of the whole thing that self-knowledge will avail us nothing. Like I've been to a million different therapists and hypnotists, you know, all these people who told me how my brain worked and many of them had very valid points and, you know, and, and made a whole lot of sense, but I couldn't, I, I just, I can't stay stopped and it doesn't matter what the consequences are, what the threats are, what I've been through, that foolish idea, you know, that, it just everything gets pushed aside. And what I'm grateful about in this program is that, 
you all understand the, you know, the physical allergy and the obsession of the mind and the people around me don't get, you know, they don't get it. They're like, how many times, you know, have you imploded your life and then built it back up again? And, and, and why can't you remember? And I just, I just can't remember. And the good news is I don't have to, because if I, you know, if I recover through the 12 steps, I don't, that foolish idea, either it doesn't occur to me or I can recognize it as foolish, but without, you know, enlarging my spiritual life, without (laughs) the 12 steps, without realizing that, you know, the only thing I can worship is God, a God of my understanding, I will, you know, I will compulsively eat again because I've done it. I've done it so many times. I've been institutionalized. One time I remember I was walking out of a a treatment center. I stole food on the way out the door and I was binging and purging on the way home. And so this disease will take, you know, it'll take me down at the knees. I cannot remember and nothing I do can get myself to remember. And I'm so glad that for people like me, you know, low bottom compulsive eaters, there is a solution. And, um, you know, but it's it's not what I think it is. And so, yeah, really glad to be here. So grateful for this paragraph. And I will pass. Thank you, Dara L. from PA. Up next, we have Kathy C. followed by Rachel K. Good morning to you, Kathy. Good, good morning, Jen. My name is Kathy C. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Montreal, Canada. Thank you for your service this morning. Yeah, I, you know, the um, italics again, those sentences, right? He had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic. Um, yet, you know, he still favored that idea, that foolish idea. Um, so it seems that, you know, um, usually other people in general, they learn from their, from their mistakes or their punitive, you know, uh, results uh, when engaging in certain actions. But for us or for me, I should say, somehow I think I, I still have this ability to control, that right? I still believe I have this like delusion or illusion that this time it will be different, it won't hurt me. Um, and I've come to see that uh, not only do I have a, a defective body, the allergy of the body, right? It's the mind that even though I, I say, you know, I'll never do that again, or that seems like a you know, terrible idea. I have all this knowledge, right? I'm in OA and trying to work the steps. Somehow I was brought back into the eating. And, I, and it happens so, like it says here, so like I vaguely sensed, you know, it's so subtle. It doesn't come out screaming and yelling, you know, the aftermath saying, oh, you're going to be so, you know, um, torn. You're going to wake up miserable, self-loathing, the, the, you know, the, the dishonesty you'll feel that you couldn't, you know, do what you want to do, right? Feeling like a fraud. Um, and all that knowledge still cannot, did not help. Uh, you know, I really believe we are brought to eating. We have no choice. We will, we will compulsively eat, right? We have lost the ability to control and enjoy, um, and, and that's the only choice I have, really, is am I going to have a higher power help me? That's all I choose. Is it going to be God or is it going to be me? Is it food or God? What, what, where, where do I, you know, what is my part here? What is my responsibility? Because I am going to eat. I will never be normal around food, food behaviors, if 
I do not change the ideas in my mind, right? I am hijacked by this mental obsession. Nothing else will come in and help me. When I'm in that obsession, I don't remember to, to call anybody. I don't remember, you know, to, 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 to stop. I just can't. I'm done. So I have to, you know, invite a higher power. I have to see that I have two alternatives. Either I'm going to eat or I have to pray. I need God's ideas. I need God's vision. I need a change of heart. I need a change of soul. Um, I, need, I need help. And it's all, um, you know, on the basis of believing in a higher power that could help me. That's it. Um, that's where the change happens. I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy C. from Montreal, Canada. Up next, we have Rachel K. followed by Melissa G. Hi, Rachel. Hi, this is Rachel Kay from uh, California. Um, yeah, these paragraphs are definitely, you know, Jim is near and dear to my heart uh, because he he is me. I am he. Um, and the thing that stuck out to me in the paragraph before it says, and, and this applies for me today. I mean, by the grace of God, I've been abstinent, recovered for over 20 years, but I can still, that, that doesn't mean that my next compulsive bite isn't, you know, farther away than, you know, my mouth to my hand, because um, it's one day at a time. But the way it comes up for me is in character defects, in the lack of restraint of pen and tongue, or text, or whatever it is, or compulsive food behaviors where I think, uh, you know, if I uh, linger over this meal because I don't want to, you know, go back to my work day or whatever, it's okay. Um, and, um, and it's that bizarre mental twist. And the thing that stuck out to me was um, in the paragraph before where it says uh, he vaguely sensed, vaguely. Um, and it's vague because he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. When I am connected with God, when I have access to a power greater than myself, which can solve my problem, all my problems, it's not vaguely sensed. I sense, Rachel, you know, this is a bad idea, you know, stop. And it's, it's not me who stops, it's that power, because I'm powerless on my own. I need access to power. Um, when, that, when that bridge, to borrow a metaphor from somebody else uh, in these rooms, uh, that, that, that bridge is strong, that I have, you know, that, uh, that, that sense, oh, yeah, no, Rachel, put it down. Um, but when I am not in touch with my higher power, when whatever, you know, selfishness, self-seeking, dishonesty, or fear is clogging that pipeline that I have to my higher power, then I might have a vague sense or no sense at all that, Rachel, it's a bad idea to send this text, <laughs> you know, why don't you wait an hour and see how you feel then, or, you know, why don't you talk it over with somebody before you, you uh, respond to that email, um, that, that, that sense, you know, if, if that pipeline is blocked off or is clogged, then it's maybe a vague sense, but I'm going to do it anyway, um, it's easy to ignore, 
when my connection with my higher power is strong because I've been doing 10 steps and 11 steps and I've been doing service and I've been um, connecting and making time for that relationship with my higher power and cleaning up that stuff, those character defects that clause up the pipeline. Um, when that is, is strong, then, you know, those things don't come up so often. Then I do recoil as if from a hot flame. So anyway, I hope that made sense because I just woke up. Uh, thanks for letting me share, and I'll pass. Thank you, Rachel Kay from California up early. <laughs> Next, we have Melissa G, followed by Wendy W. Good morning, Hi. Melissa. Good morning. Um, this is Melissa G from Michigan. Um, thank you for everybody who has shared online and for your service. Um, so, yeah, when I was listening to this be read and when I read it, um, I think the first time maybe I couldn't relate because I had never gone to an asylum or for treatment. But what stuck out to me is here was the threat of commitment. Um, for me, the commitment is the depression comes back in um, when I pick up the food. For me, it's the self-loathing comes back in. Um, the worthlessness, the suicidal ideation. Um, that's what happens to me when I pick up that food. And, um, you know, what I'm learning slowly but surely is that for me, recovery has to be more attractive than that first bite. Um, and I, you know, I hear it on the line, people say, you know, it's people, it's not, we don't remember what the food does to us. So I forget how miserable and depressed and isolated and, um, you know, hopeless I feel when I get away from working the program of recovery. I start romanticizing about what it would be like if I could just have one or, you know, much like Jim with the whiskey and the milk, I think, well, what if I just eat sugar-free candy or what if I just eat, you know, a little bit of this? And slowly but surely, I spiral down. And it's, um, you know, somewhere I think in this chapter we hear where he says there had been no resolve. And he hadn't even, like, the thought to fight it wasn't even there. And, um, yeah, I can remember where the fight just isn't there. And ultimately that comes because I wasn't taking my time in the program. And I wasn't taking my time connecting with God, my higher power. Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm so grateful for finding this meeting online. Um, the pandemic has brought about a ton of crap that is horrible and awful. But um, I don't know that, you know, I found you guys. And for that, I'm grateful because for the first time in my 41 years, I actually see that there is a different life possible um, when it comes to my food. So I just, I want to thank you guys, and I hope that everybody has a great day. With that, I pass. Glad you're here, Melissa G. from Michigan. All right, before we get to Wendy W., I'll just let everybody know if you just joined us on the line. We're in the chapter more about alcoholism. We're on page 36, reading the third paragraph. Thus started one more journey to the asylum. Wendy W., you're up next, followed by Leah or Leah T. Wendy, press star one. 
Wendy W., are you available to share? Just press star one, we can't hear you. All right, we'll go ahead and move on um, to Leah T. Leah, are you there? Can, can I be heard now? Is this Wendy? Hello? When, yes. Sorry, I, okay, I pressed my mute, but I'm just learning how to use this phone, I guess. I, okay, thank you. Okay, so no Wendy worries. W. Go right ahead. Thanks. I'm Wendy W. in North Carolina, and this is my first time sharing on the meeting because I have a wonderful sponsor I'm working with, and I've had two, um, just started working the steps and have, um, have had two little relapses even though they're green light foods, it's still compulsively overeating. So um, anyway, I just want to say I identify with the, the mental suffering, which for me is the huge shame um, that I always feel when I go to the food. And, um, and then, and again, and, I, and what's been happening is, is the, um, you know, the reason the, where, where my mental twist easily pushes aside um, the idea that I can't eat. So I go to the food because I'm, I'm understanding, yeah, that it's, you know, a, a step 10 is to be done all through the day as opposed to, you know, step 11 is just like in the morning or the evening, which I'm, I can be, so yeah, I, I, and of course I'm new to all this. I'm not at step 10 yet. I'm at step one, but, but, um, but I'm so getting from, from being so grateful for being, hearing, listen to the meetings and, and the podcast that it is about the emotional buildup that always takes me to the food. You know, the food gives me the relief from the emotional buildup, but you know, I always want to blame it on the food or what I ate before and wanting, wanting to use the food as the medicine to fix what I ate before that drove me to the food instead of backing it up to what's the emotion and then pulling in my higher power and, and learning how to create that personal connection to that, source so that I can, I can feel supported and trusting of that and, and turn my will over to that, which is a process. But thanks to vision, I'm really understanding that more and, um, and learning to, you know, and, and, and also I know I need to have the willingness to make the outreach calls to build my God squad. So when I get to step 10, I'll have people to talk to. And I have had much heartfelt connections with a few people I have spoken with, which is just amazing. And um, anyway, and now I'm sort of disconnecting from my brain because I'm nervous, but I, I so appreciate being here and, and just look forward to working the steps cause, because I, I've been in and out of OA over the years and never understood how the steps worked or how to, how to bring it into my life, never got the overarching picture. And just these few months I've been in vision, it's so much more clear and I'm, I'm just so grateful to be at least, um, anyway, in engaging in it in a different way and, and just appreciate being able to share. So thanks so much, everybody. Thanks, Wendy W. Thanks for pressing star one today and sharing with us. We appreciate your courage, too. All right, up next we have Leah T, followed by, I believe I heard a Jody. So we'll go that direction. Good morning. Good morning. Um, this is Leah T. Uh, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Connecticut and I'm also new to sharing so I'm a little nervous um, can I be heard? I can't even tell if you're on your car phone or something it sounds a little foggy if you can just hold the handset that would probably be great sure. 
Sure, let me do that. Thank you. Um, I think the piece that I related to so much of this morning's reading, and I think the piece that really stood out for me was the word foolish. And I think about how when I make choices that are not on my food plan, there's so much self-judgment and so much um, criticism and condemnation that goes on in my head that it can actually trigger more compulsive overeating and more bad choices. And the word foolish to me, there's a gentleness about it, but there's also a boundary. And I really appreciated hearing that. Um, I make foolish choices these days, not with my eating one day at a time in recovery, but foolish choices about my emotional indulgences. You know, how do I react to coworkers and family members? I can indulge in negative thinking and negative behaviors just like I used to indulge in poor food choices. And so I'm so grateful for the continued awareness and I think one of the other areas that kind of came out in this reading is I used to hate the term self-loathing. And I remember early on when my sponsor would use that, I, it just made me cringe. It's like, wow, that's so harsh. But now I understand that I do have a built-in forgetter. And I do need to hear that word and, more importantly, feel those feelings of what it's like when I eat food that's not on my food plan. I am filled with self-loathing. And to forget that is to risk going back into that kind of behavior. So I'm so grateful for everybody on this call and for the opportunity to share. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Leah T. from Connecticut. And up next, I believe I heard a Jody. Jody, are you out there this morning? All right, so uh, if we don't have Jody on the line with us this morning, uh, we are, like I said, on page uh, 36, third paragraph, reading from Thus Started One More Journey. Um, although we value everyone's experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. Who would like to share on the paragraph that was read today? Priscilla Kathleen H. W. Priscilla H. Geraldine O. From Ireland. Kathleen W. So A. Geraldine O. Chris G. Chris G. Renee A. And Renee A. All right, let's go ahead and stop there. All right, let me tell you who I heard in the lineup. I have Priscilla H. followed by Kathleen W. Um, Geraldine O. Chris G. Suri C and Renee A. Priscilla H, go right ahead. Hi, thanks. Uh, Priscilla H, recovered and always recovering food addict. I I am just getting a big kick out of this paragraph. I'm enjoying it so much. What it's bringing to my mind with with Jim's foolish ideas is how creative my disease is, my disease of addiction. Um, there's just no end to the foolish ideas that my disease of addiction has put into my brain um, 
to start me off on another relapse, another binge, uh, over the many, many years that I've been in and out and in again, OA and another eating program as well. And and uh, always the disease of addiction, which I wasn't that aware of, um, has been able to put some new creative idea into my brain, uh, the whiskey and the milk type of thinking. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. Yeah, it's okay. Just go ahead and do it. Have it. Eat it. Um, it brings to my mind a saying, <clears throat> which maybe has to do with politics. I don't know. <clears throat> Excuse me. But a saying, keep your friends close and your enemies even closer. And what that makes me think about is that as as close as I need and today want to be with my BFF, my higher power, I also need to keep my enemy, which is my disease of addiction, close, meaning that I need to keep that always in my mind. I need to never... Um, turn my back, my mental back, so to speak, on that disease. Otherwise, it will put some new creative idea in my mind as to why it would be okay to eat this or have that or do this or that. Um, So the creativity of addiction, there's just no end to the foolish ideas. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Priscilla H. Up next, we have Kathleen W. followed by Geraldine O. Hello, Kathleen. Kathleen, could you press star one for us, please? Okay. All right. Hi. I thought I was unmuted. Um, You've got it now. Go right ahead. Great. Kathleen W. from Illinois, I thank everyone who's been on the line to share. Uh, it certainly is a, a life force for me to hear other people's stories and, and their thoughts on, on, on uh, this disease that I also share with them. Um, I haven't had the threat of commitment. I haven't had the loss of family or position. I haven't had any of those experiences. What I do relate to is the intent. Um, mental and physical suffering, which overeating always caused me, um, I, I, and, and the craziness, the, the guilt and the shame. Um, and I found that as I was doing my steps, I, was, I, I suffered in this way because I was violating the natural laws of self-preservation. You know, I was uh, killing myself slowly with food, um, killing my spiritual life, um, as well, um, so I have experienced those things, and and certainly um, all the reasons for not eating were easily pushed aside in favor of the foolish idea that I can take that first bite. And um, I've been recovered since September 24th, um, and it, I'm having a new experience uh, with my attitude and thought toward food. It used to be when when I identified foods and ingredients that caused cravings, I would start struggling. I would think, oh, no, I don't want to have to stop eating this. And um, so the struggle of, oh, no, oh, no, I don't want to have to stop this, 
um, until I would pray and then, you know, I'd ask, I'd talk to my sponsor about the food and I'd ask God to help me to put it aside and, and then I would be able to do it. Um, I am beginning to, when I identify food and ingredients that cause uh, the craving, uh, sometimes I might put something on my food, you know, a spice or something, and I think, oh, you know, is that, uh, I, I have it, and I think, I don't know about this. This might be something I have to lay down. And it, it's a whole other mindset that I've gotten since I uh, started working with a sponsor, working the steps, um, you know, seeking a, uh, I would say, a larger spiritual life. Um, my mindset is, is bending. It's, it's bending the other way and toward uh, the will of my higher power, and I'm, I'm just so grateful for that. Um, so with that, I'll pass, and thank you all so much. Thanks so much, Kathleen W. Up next, we have Geraldine O., followed by Chris G. Good morning, Geraldine. Hi. Morning. Um, my name is is Geraldine O from Ireland. Um, many thanks for your for your service and for everybody on the line. Um, over the last couple of days, as I've listened to Jim's story, to me, it is really telling me or explaining to me the pure insanity of my disease. And today, when I read the sentence, thus started one more journey to the asylum for Jim. For me, that is symbolizing all of the various attempts, you know, that I had made over the years, you know, to try and fix what I thought was my food problem. So I imagine myself trudging off to another way and pay, trudging off, you know, to another counsellor who might help me understand why I was eating to try and and solve this problem. Um, and like that, I had the threat you know, the loss of, of my health, you know, it was having a huge impact, the impact that it was having on my family, my relationship, you know, with my spouse, with my children, with my extended family, and the intense mental and physical suffering. So every night before I went to bed, or at any stage during the day, I would just suffer. Every time I had eaten, there was just that torture of why are you doing it? Why do you keep picking up this food? I didn't know why. I didn't know that I was insane around food because of this disease until I found this program and am now thankfully recovered. And it talks about having knowledge. So I had huge knowledge that what I was doing was wrong. I started eating whatever my allergic foods were and I just couldn't stop. I knew I was different. But I didn't understand until I came into OA why I was different, that I had a disease and that I was born this way. And like that, if I think of all the foolish ideas I had, well, you know, if I eat organic food, you know, that would be different. You know, I'm not going to overeat that. I'll eat dark chocolate at the higher cocoa level. That's actually really healthy for you. I will try that. So I tried every type of rule that would hopefully allow me to you know eat normally i i just couldn't get that i was different and now thankfully i understand i am different i have a disease and this chapter is telling me more about my disease confirming that i am a compulsive overeater and thankfully allowing me to live in the solution 
and I'm so grateful for that. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Geraldine O from Ireland. Up next, we have Chris G, followed by Surrey C. Good morning to you, Chris. Um, <clears throat> good morning. Um, my name is Chris G, and I live in Tennessee, and I am so thankful uh, to have uh, uh, this uh, uh, vision uh, for you to uh, participate in, and I'm grateful for everybody that else that participates and shares. Uh, this is a great paragraph. I want to hone in on he had much knowledge, and the reasons for not drinking were easily pushed aside. Um, I came into a Reader's Anonymous years ago, and I came in fat, and I wanted to change that, and I wanted to do it on my own uh, willpower, and so I, I knowledge, I, I read self-help books. I was a self-help book reader, and I turned to OA as a self-help, uh, and I wanted to control my food with tricks, tricks to control my food. I wanted the perfect food plan. And um, so um, now, instead of the perfect food plan, I, I want to seek God's will. And um, uh, the knowledge is uh, uh, easily pushed aside uh, when I get into the food. It, it, the knowledge doesn't work against the food. I forget the knowledge. And so now I don't. I don't know. I, I don't have to know. That's God's job to know everything. I don't have to know everything. I don't have to be arrogant, and I don't have to tell other people uh, what they should do. And so um, this this is just a great paragraph for me uh, to um, to seek God and um, and let let God uh, show me uh, and and not try to know everything. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Chris G. from Tennessee. Up next, we have Surrey C. Hey, Surrey. Hi, sorry. This is Surrey C. Um, you know, it's so funny because I have been listening to this line for a long time. I think I know that the truth is. Surrey, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Your connection is yeah. a little funny and it's crackly. Okay, I'm moving around. Off my headset. No, I'll take off okay. my headset. It's fine. Okay, um, cool. We want to hear what you have to say. Thanks. Yeah, hi. Um, okay, sorry about that. Um, I've heard so many times that the italics are here for a reason. And two paragraphs in this many words in italics. This is me. Um, I <laughs> I have to start with myself, but basically I I I have a sponsor who's waited for me, and and she basically just put a time limit, and of course, the second she put a time limit on whether or not she's going to sponsor me, um, I can be her sponsee. Um, I went straight into the food every, every and like not even good food, like just food to eat, because I'm a compulsive eater. Um. And nature, nurture, self-knowledge doesn't make a difference. I could tell you, you know, I want to talk about nature. Yeah, no question. I have the allergy of the body, okay? Nurture, I spoke to my mom yesterday who just came to the doctor and said, you know, the doctor said I need to um, watch my sugar. I said, Ma, I can't talk to you about food. I said, what? It has nothing to do with food. And I literally had to repeat it five times. And each time it was like, well, 
uh, it really has been, and, and, and it's really my, your, your, your brother-in-law, your brother-in-law who cooks with all the food, and the grandkids are in the house. And, and I'm like, and I just heard every reason and every um, self-knowledge. I'm sorry. I don't know myself. God knows me. I need to let go and let God I need to allow him to come in. I need to turn to him instead of the stupid container of whatever I ate last night that I really didn't even like or want because I like, because it hurts almost to know how much I'm going through and how much God loves me simultaneously hurts. But I want a heart that hurts and not a heart that's made of stone. I want a heart that feels. I love this line for all of all of the wonderful people that are on it. I'm so grateful. And I hope to be able to let God in because it's not about my knowledge of anything, my knowledge of him and how I can help share this message that will help me manage whatever comes my way, one step at a time, one day at a time, one minute at a time. And and I, I'm still looking for a sponsor. Uh, with that, I Thanks, Cerise from Connecticut. Up next, we have Renee A. Good morning, Renee. Good morning, Jen. This is Renee A., recovered compulsive overeater in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, You know, I was just, yeah, really struck by this paragraph. Um, You know, the opening sentence just pulled me in because how many times, uh, you know, have have I started one more journey to the asylum? Um, and obviously, you know, for me today, not, um, literally, but, um, but, you know, just the, the craziness that is my compulsive overeating and the rest of this paragraph, I just look at it and I, I think, yeah, these are all the things that won't protect me. Um, you know, he's talking about the threat of commitment, um, you know, losing his family, uh, losing his position, his job, his his uh, social standing. Um, you know, I I really get the intense mental and physical suffering um, that my eating caused me. I mean, I you know, so many of these things. Um, you know, my family and I during my disease, we were pretty much estranged. I mean, we were just you know, a big old ball of dysfunction. Um, I couldn't, I didn't have to worry about the loss of a job because I couldn't work. So um, I was staying at home at the time. Um, and the mental and physical suffering that my disease put me through was just intense. Uh, towards the end, I just wanted to kill myself. Um, life's not worth living when all you do is binge, clean up after a binge, or think about your next binge. And I had a whole shelf full of self-help books. Um, You know, self-knowledge, definitely not enough to save me. And you know what's so wonderful is I got in here and I read this book and, and, you know, I ran across that phrase in our book that says, you know, we're beyond human aid. And I, I just went, you know what, that... That's the reality of my disease today. I'm beyond human aid. So if it involves anything like, uh, you know, threats or loss or anything that's going on in the natural, if it involves, um, you know, the, the mental torture that I went through, that's not enough. That isn't enough 
to get me abstinent or to keep me abstinent. Those tips and tricks that somebody else talked about, those things won't work for me because those are human aid. All of that stuff is human aid. And this book and my experience tells me I am way, way beyond human aid. I've got a terminal disease today. It's terminal, and there's nothing else that's going to save me in this world. Um, I, I need a higher power, uh, and I have got to um, cling on to him and, uh, you know, let him work because I got nothing. I'm powerless. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks, Renee A. from Oklahoma. All right, so it looks like we have a little bit of time on the clock. Anyone like to take us out? We have one more share available. Brenda A. Go right ahead, Brenda A. Thank you. Good morning, Brenda A. in New York, gratefully recovered. Um, at the start of this paragraph, when they talk about one more journey to the asylum, well, when I was in the food, I was living in an asylum full time. I felt like someone in a movie that was probably made in the late 1930s just walking around in a trance because I never knew how I ended up in the food, nor did I care. God has always been there for me. God was always waiting for me to reach up and ask for his help. And uh, last year, I finally did that, thanks to all of you wonderful fellows here in Vision and my fellows from my home group. All I can say that my sponsor had said to me when I started, it was my third sponsor with whom I recovered this past year, she said to me, I want you not to do the following. While we are reading the big book together, do not dine out. Well, that wasn't an issue because of COVID, yet I was someone with my husband. We were used to eating out socially two to three times a week. And what I realized was... When you're in a hospital or an asylum, you don't order your food. Your food is prescribed for you. And hence, I was able to adopt a food plan that worked for me. But as I grew spiritually, I came to the full conclusion, it's not the food. What I gained in working the 12 steps was a wonderful close relationship to my higher power. And when your higher power is with you, walking with you hand in hand, not pushing, not pulling you, but walking with you side by side, we are never alone. And our higher powers allow us to grow one day at a time. And how do we grow spiritually? By getting better, by being out of the food, by being abstinent, so we can better do our higher powers will. And there's not a day that goes by that I do not acknowledge my higher power. I am so grateful to be recovered one day at a time. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Brenda A. from New York. Me too, me too, me too. All right. So that brings us to the end of the meeting this morning. But we're not done. I'd like to share every, uh, thank everyone for sharing today, and thanks for showing up, too. We meet everybody here. Um, please join us for a second unrecorded study uh, immediately following the closing. If you're interested for the share ID for today's meeting, February 11th at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the number is 16,383. 
That's 16383. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Christina J. please read A Vision for You? Thank you, Jen. Thank you for all your service. The shares have been great. My name is Christina J. from the state of Washington, recovered for today. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. Excuse me, emotional. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of a happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.